0: Well, we're in a message series called Walking with the Spirit right now, and in this series we're looking at how we can live our lives in cooperation with the Spirit day in and day out. Last Sunday we talked about how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and if you missed the message, I'd encourage you to watch it online. Uh, It's on our Facebook page and on our website as well. And so the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on on the day of Pentecost. And the reason the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost and continues to be poured out is to give power to all believers to be Jesus' witnesses. And so we're going to talk about being Jesus' witness today. We're going to look at how each one of us can grow in being a witness for Jesus. It's, it's what you were created to be. When Jesus saved you, he made you to be his witness. Acts eight, and I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. Here it is. It has the verses written out and the outline for the message. And you can follow along there, take some notes so that you can refer back to it and study it and pray over it this week. See, what you hear this morning, what God speaks to you this morning is not just to be filed away uh, in a round container by your desk. Uh, The reason we print these things out is for you to look at them, pray over them, put them into practice during the coming week. And the Bible says, you're not blessed just by simply hearing the word of God. The blessing comes when you put it into practice. So Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so followers of Jesus seek to put his word into practice. We must not just talk about Jesus being Jesus' witnesses. God wants us to be a witness for Jesus each and every day in all that we say, in all that we do. And each of us, I'm convinced, can grow in being more effective witnesses for Jesus. I'd like us to watch a short video called Walk the Walk. So God wants us to walk the walk. He wants us to put what we know, what we've heard, what we believe into practice in our lives. In order to walk the walk as Jesus witnesses, we need His power. We need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to be prepared. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Underline that word prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so if we are going to be prepared to give an answer to the questions that people have, what do we need to do? Uh, We need to prepare. Uh, We need to study. We need to take pains to understand what God wants us to do and say. And so as witnesses for Jesus Christ, we interact with two kinds of people. First of all, and there's really only two kinds of people in the world. The first kind is unbelievers, people who have not yet made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Second type is believers. And God wants us to be with believers. We either learn from them, if they're further advanced in the Lord than we are, or we teach them. uh, We disciple them. And so sometimes we put so much emphasis on reaching unbelievers that we forget that part of being Jesus' witness is to help believers to grow up, is to help believers mature in the Lord. And so being a witness is both Speaking to unbelievers, leading them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and being a witness to believers as well, and helping them to grow in this, and grow in the Lord as disciples of Jesus. Second Timothy two two says, "And the things you've heard me say, Paul writes this in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others." And so Paul is saying here, the things that you've learned, the things that you have understood, the things that you are putting into practice, you are to teach to others. You are to teach to others so that they in turn can teach others, and you see the chain. Multiplication, as a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, causes other people to follow Jesus, and they in turn are witnesses to yet others. In our life groups, in which many of you are involved, there are small groups that meet uh, two or three times a month for prayer, fellowship, and discipleship. We've been going through the Thrive Handbook for Christian Growth. And this uh, curriculum is, is 15, it goes through 15 basic concepts that help every believer grow in their faith with God, grow in their spiritual walk. And I believe uh, our vision as a church is that each person here would benefit from going through this teaching, from going through this curriculum. It's very word-based, very Bible-based And it's very effective at uh, teaching the things that God wants to teach us so that we may continue to grow in him. And so our plan, many of you have gone through it or are going through it. No groups are completed yet. Uh, We'll probably finish sometime uh, this summer. Most of the groups will finish. Our plan for every believer in the church to benefit from this is that the believers who have gone through the training in the groups, the believers who have gone through the training in the life groups, are now able to teach others what they have learned. And our vision is that they would teach others, not in groups uh, for the most part, but one on one. And so once you've completed the Thrive curriculum, if you're in one of the life groups and you've gone through it, you've filled out the lessons, you've talked about it, you've discussed it, it's not difficult to guide another believer through it. You've been through it, you simply assign the lessons, And you go through the questions with them, and you see what they have, uh, what they've have answered. You pray for them. Uh, This type of discipleship ministry has been used effectively in many churches. It's a very flexible approach. As new people uh, complete the curriculum, they're then available to teach others. And so, as the church grows, you become uh, more and more people become able to disciple others and be ready for new disciples as they come into the church. And so, if you're in a life group now. Uh, You attend regularly, your group leader will be asking you in the coming weeks to make yourself available to disciple others, uh, that you'll be able to help others go through the curriculum, others that want to learn more about Jesus Christ, and we encourage each of you to make yourself available uh, for that. If you're not in a life group, and maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about, we actually have a sample curriculum over on the table between the doors of the Thrive Handbook for Spiritual Growth, you can take a look at it. I believe that it would be very helpful for every person to go through it. And so if you're not in a life group and you haven't received this training, uh, beginning today, you can sign up on your Connect card, I believe. Your Connect card is in your bulletin. Yes, it says on the little flap there under sign up, it says Thrive Spiritual Growth Discipleship. And if you're interested in... uh, learning this this discipleship going through this curriculum with somebody we encourage you to check the box and we are then going to work on matching those who have completed the training with those who want to go through it and uh, we encourage you to uh, to do that and then the two people will work together for a schedule that works for both of you to begin the discipleship training so it's very very flexible if you have questions we'll be talking more about this you can talk to me, or you can contact one of the life group leaders, which are listed in the bulletin. So today, let's get back to preparing to be Jesus' witnesses. Let's look at some of the basics of sharing God's plan for people. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When I was younger, we used to witness, and we used a tract, I think it was from Billy Graham or something, that said, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's true. God has a wonderful plan for each and every person's life. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everyone to have a relationship with Him. And you get that relationship with God by repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I just might add here, some people misunderstand this verse and say that everyone is ultimately going to be saved because God doesn't want anyone to perish. And that is God's will, that no one perish, that everyone repents. Jesus clearly taught and other places about Bible clearly teach that all are not going to repent. And so we present the message, some repent, some do not. But God offers his wonderful plan to everybody as a free gift. He holds it out there, this wonderful gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that is the plan that we should be talking about to everyone we know as witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's the most important aspect of life. It's the most important gift that we've received if we're a believer here this morning. And sharing that plan, God's wonderful plan for people's lives, lives, is part of being Jesus' witness. So what is God's plan for people? First of all, it's to receive God's love. John 3.16, surely the most famous verse in the Bible, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so God loved the world so much. He loves each and every person in the world. He loved them so much that he sent Jesus. He sent his only Son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins, to sacrifice his life that the people Jesus loves and God loves might have a relationship with him. And so God offers this gift of forgiveness freely to to every person on this planet, to everyone. But the gift must be received. It must be opened. And how do you receive this gift that God offers to each and every one, this gift of eternal life? You receive God's gift of love by believing in Jesus Christ, by trusting your life to Him. And the end result is that God grants you eternal life. You're not going to perish. You're not going to spend eternity separated from God. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus and God in heaven forever and ever enjoying His love. And so the first part of God's plan for people is that they receive His love, that they open the gift of eternal life that He has for them. After a person has received God's love, after they've believed, after they've been saved, they must respond to his love. Luke 10:27 This is often called the great commandment. The first part of it is it says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind." Now, how can we love God? We can love God, the Bible tells us, because he first loved us. It all begins with God. It doesn't begin with us. We were in sin. We were in rebellion. We were rebels against God, but he loved us first. He sent Jesus to die for us when we were his enemies. And because he loved us first, we can love him back. And so we respond back to God's love after we receive it by loving him. And we don't just love God with part of who we are. We don't just love God with 10%. We we love God with everything we have. That's our only response. He gave us everything he had. He gave us his only son, his one and only son. And we must love him back with all that we have, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our souls, with all our hearts. And as we do that, our relationship with God grows. He loves us. We love him back. That builds a relationship. In human relationships, if somebody loves somebody else, and that person doesn't reciprocate that love, is there a relationship there? No. I I mean, it's just a one-sided thing. It's maybe a bit odd, right? I I love this person, and they don't want anything to do with me. Uh, That's not going anywhere, is it? And so God loves us. In order for us to have this relationship with God, we must reciprocate. We must love him back. A person who has truly received God's love is going to respond to that love by loving God back and all that that those words encompass. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. In other words, Jesus is saying that those who have a true relationship with him, those who are his friends are those who obey his commands. That's how our love for him is expressed. That's how our friendship with Jesus is expressed, by obeying what he tells us to do. Now, we could express that same truth negatively. He would be saying to us, if you don't do what I command, then you aren't my friends. That is, you don't really have a relationship with me. And so those who have truly received God's love will in turn respond to God's love by loving him back and by obeying everything he commands. And as you love God back, your relationship with him grows stronger and stronger. As you obey him, your trust in him increases. Third step in God's plan for your life is to release God's love to others. The second part of the Great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. The first part was to love God with everything you have. The second part is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now this third step is not sequential. I, I don't want to say that you know you have to spend a long time responding to God's love before you can love others. No, these you don't have to do that. Steps two and three should be happening at the same time. After we receive God's love, we begin responding back to God, and we begin. Releasing his love to other people. And we release God's love because we've received God's love. We have something to give because we've received that gift. Of course, those who haven't received the gift have nothing to give. But as believers, we've received that gift. And so not only are we to love God with all we have, we are to release his love to others. Everyone we know. Who is our neighbor? It's everybody in our circle of relationships. We are to love them. And so every believer from the day they are saved are to be responding to God's love and releasing God's love to others. I like to think of it as as, uh, in two dimensions. Our responding to God is the vertical dimension. Up to God, we respond back to God. And the horizontal dimension is releasing his love to other people. And so that's one of the reasons we've created the Plus One Challenge. We've been talking about it this year, to encourage each one of us to release God's love to others. To release God's love to others. The Plus One Challenge is to ask God to help you to bring one new person into his church this year in 2016. To bring one new person into the church. You can accept the challenge on your Connect card. Uh, We're not going to come after you or anything. Uh, but uh, that's just between you and God that you accept that challenge and you're going to do what you can do to release his love to others and to bring one new person into his church this year. Every person you know is on a spiritual journey in life, and God's desire for them is what? That they not perish, but they find Jesus and put their faith in him. And our task is to move each person in that spiritual journey one step closer to God. One step closer to God. I'd encourage everybody to pick out a handout on our our ministry table. I believe they're there. Is it over there, Robert? It's called Your Spiritual Journey. Very good. Just making sure I don't point people in the wrong direction. But it's called Your Spiritual Journey. We've mentioned this maybe once before. And inside this handout uh, is uh, seven stages in people's spiritual journeys. I know you can't read this from here. Uh, But there are seven stages here, beginning on the left, with people who are totally not interested uh, in spirituality, not interested in Christianity at, at all. In the middle, there's a cross. Maybe you can see that. That's a point where a person commits their life to Jesus Christ. And over to the right is where a person has grown in their Christian life, matured. Uh, They are reproducing. They are leading other people to the Lord. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't before, pick one of those up. Read the descriptions and see where you fit in. First, look at yourself. Where do I fit in? Am I a believer? If I am, how committed am I as a believer? Then think through where your friends may fit in. Then begin to pray that God would use you to move them in their spiritual journey closer to where God wants them to be. You can even use this handout to show to people and ask them, where do you think you are? Read these descriptions, where do you think you are? Where would you like to be? How can I help you move closer to God? And pray that God would use you to share his love with the people in your life that do not yet know him. And I guarantee you, in every person here, you know people who are not yet believers. God has put them in your life for you to be a witness to them. Now, let's expand a little bit on how we lead someone to Jesus Christ. How do we share God's plan of salvation Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if somebody asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian, what would you say? Would you have an answer for them? If someone told you that they were a Christian because they went to church, how would you respond? If someone asked you how you became a Christian, could you share the story of how you became a believer in such a way that they would know how to become a believer through your story. God wants us to be prepared to share his plan of salvation. It's the most important information in the world. And we should be able to share that at the drop of a hat with with anybody. The first step is to ask forgiveness from Jesus as your sacrifice. John one twenty nine. the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, animals were sacrificed on an altar that sins might be forgiven. Those animal sacrifices were pointing forward to the coming Messiah who would die and give his life to make possible forgiveness of sins. In this first, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. The ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the unblemished, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so the first step in becoming a believer is to admit that you've sinned, to repent of your sin and ask Jesus for forgiveness. And when you do that, rather than perishing eternally in hell for your sin, Jesus then has taken your punishment on the cross. Jesus had made available to you eternal life by offering forgiveness. And so the first step is to repent and receive that forgiveness. Second step is to believe in Jesus as your Savior. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, speaking of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. And so to be saved, to receive Jesus into your life, is to believe in his name. It's not enough just to believe Jesus existed 2,000 years ago as a historical figure. To believe in Jesus is to, is to give your life to him, to entrust your life to him as a living Lord. You can't be saved without putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, you cooperate with Jesus as your Lord. Jesus said in Luke 9, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And so none of these three steps in these ABCs is optional. You have to repent of your sin and receive forgiveness. You have to have faith in Jesus, and you must acknowledge Him as your Lord. Now, there is some teaching going around that that's an advanced step. Step three is advanced, that you can accept Jesus as your Savior, and, you know, down the road, maybe if you feel like it, uh, make Him your Lord. That's really not true. That's not biblical. The Bible says that you need to uh, confess that Jesus is Lord in order to be saved. Uh, We read it today, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, acknowledging him as Lord. Committing your life to do what he commands, those people are saved. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus spells out what it means to be his follower. It means you make him his Lord. You deny yourself. You don't no longer do what you want to do. You do what he wants you to do. You take up your cross daily. You follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to... Follow what he tells you to do. It's to obey his commands. The things that he tells you through his word and through his spirit. We lose our old way of life in order to gain a new way of life in the spirit. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6.22. Now that you've been set free from sin and have become, met might underline this, slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. And so Romans 6 teaches that an unbeliever is a slave to sin. Sin is the unbeliever's master. No matter what they think, that is the spiritual truth. And when you are saved, you are set free from sin, but you are not, however, free to do whatever you wish. You're set free from being slaves to sin in order to be slaves to God. Every person on this planet is either a slave to sin or a slave to God. Now, not everybody realizes that but they are. And so what does a slave do? He obeys his master. He does what his master tells him to do. And so a slave to God obeys Jesus in everything because Jesus is his Lord. And so we are to cooperate with Jesus as our Lord. And so an understanding of this basic ABCs is Outline of salvation is essential to every believer. And if you've been here for a while, we go over it every Sunday uh, at the end of the service. If if you don't realize that, I guess you've been sleeping, okay, because we go through it every single Sunday. Now, the words are a little bit different. I use little different words today just to illustrate the exact word you use, you know, is not absolutely essential. You need to... to uh, explain the concepts. The way we usually talk about it is to admit that you've sinned and, and ask for forgiveness. Believe in Jesus as your Savior. Commit your life to following Him as your Lord. Now that's simple enough for a child to understand. I was saved at the age of four, basically understanding those three basic concepts. And so don't hesitate to lead children to pray, even young children. They can understand Jesus dying on the cross. They can understand sin. They can understand, you know, doing wrong things, needing to be forgiven, believing in Jesus, and doing what he says. Most believers are saved in their childhood. On the back of that spiritual journey handout, they have a three-step process. It's a little different words, but exactly the same concepts. And so begin to pray that God would give you opportunities to Lead people to be saved. You understand that people can actually be saved outside of a church meeting? It's true. I was not saved in a church meeting. Uh, People can be saved. You can lead somebody to the Lord in your home, in your neighborhood, on the job. You can do it. If you're a believer, you should be looking for those opportunities God wants to save people and bring them into the church. And yes, they can be saved on Sunday mornings as well, and so inviting people to church is a good thing. But that's not the only way to be a witness. You can talk about Jesus anywhere that you go. And so let's pray and believe God together for greater things that we individually and as a church can grow in being witnesses for Jesus. God has called you to be a witness. If you're a believer, God has called you to be a witness for Jesus Christ. In order to be the most effective witness you can, first of all, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to review last Sunday's message. If you have not yet received spirit baptism, to pray or ask other people to pray for you until you do. That should be a top priority in your life. Don't put it off. It should be a top priority in your life. Not that you can't be a witness without that, but it will make you more effective. It will give you increased power. Secondly, you need to be prepared to share God's plan. And to share the steps of salvation. So I've reminded you today again of the basics of the ABCs of salvation so that you can explain it to people. And so this week, I encourage you to pray and ask God for opportunities. Do you think it's God's will for you to be a witness for Jesus? Do you think it's God's will for people around you who don't know Him to be saved? Yeah, so if you pray for those things... God is going to answer those prayers. God is going to give you opportunities. And then you need to have the courage to take those opportunities. And when you're like, oh, I don't know if I should say anything, to say something. When you wonder, I wonder what they'll think. Say something. When they say something that's perhaps uh, something that's contrary to what God's word says, speak up. Defend God's word. Defend God with gentleness and respect. Make your voice heard. And we look forward to great God stories. Maybe about guitars, but about people being saved. I'll get more excited about that. than That was a great story, Robert. (laughs) But uh, people being saved would even be a, a better story. You know, and Robert can use that story, Robert, to be a witness. Can you not? And maybe... Hopefully somebody will be saved through Robert Chang. So when God does good things for you, you can use that to witness the people of God's goodness in your lives. And so we look forward to many great God stories in the future as we all grow in becoming better witnesses for Jesus Christ. Oh, here it is again. So to be a witness for Jesus, you must become a follower or believer in Jesus Christ. Have you heard this before today? So, we're going to pray a simple prayer in a minute in which we admit that we've sinned, we believe, put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we commit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so, if you are not sure you're a believer here this morning, or perhaps you've wandered away from God and you want to renew that commitment to Him, I would encourage you to pray with me. So, let's bow our heads right now and pray. Father, today. We admit that we are sinners. We admit that we've sinned. Today, we turn away from that sin. We repent of it and we ask for your forgiveness. We believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took our punishment for our sin upon himself that we might be forgiven. We believe in Jesus. We put our faith in him. We entrust our lives to him. We commit our lives to following Jesus as our Lord. Each and every day. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And for those of us who are believers today, let us pray as well. Father, we thank you for Jesus who made salvation available for us and for everyone on this planet. Forgive us for keeping that good news to ourselves, for keeping that good news too quiet in our lives. God, every day we should be being bold witnesses for you. And so today we declare we we want to be better witnesses for you. We want to be more effective witnesses for you day in and day out. We want to respond to the love that you've shown us, God, by releasing that love to those around us. God help us not to let our lights be hidden, but may they shine forth the light that you've put into us. Grant us opportunities to share with people your goodness in our lives to share the very plan of salvation with the people that we know. And we pray that the people we share with would have open minds and open hearts to receive your truth. We ask that you'd give us the privilege of leading many people to Jesus Christ, both individually and in this church in this coming year in 2016. And we pray that we would teach those to lead yet others to you. God, we pray that as we seek your kingdom first in in our lives, We pray that, and we trust you to take care of us, to take care of all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.